going on, everybody? Wesley Shoemaker joined by Aaron Parker back with you with another episode of the BlueGoldSports.com podcast. First things first, Aaron, always good to see you. Also good to see you after, since my hockey team lost, it's nice to see your hockey team blew a 3-1 lead and also lost. Yeah, Penguins have had a ton of success um, during my childhood, so you know, can't complain too much. I'll take three cups over one. Yep, yep, yep. Anyway, so uh, today we're just going to get into a little uh, scheduling talk, if you could say that. We're going to look at all 10 Big 12 teams' non-conference schedule, as well as look at the Big 12 championship odds and kind of talk a little bit bit about that. So first things first, let's get right into it. Um, Just ranking these non-conference schedules. You got 10 schedules you got I'd say six that are pretty weak and then four that are eh, all right you got a couple I think Texas Tech and West Virginia really kind of have some weight to them but other than that for me I don't really see much weight turning off at number 10 though I will go with Kansas State they play South Dakota South Dakota excuse me Missouri and Tulane all at home who do you have at number 10 I got Kansas um I I think at Houston is going to be tough for them but just you know they don't get much done um in the non-conference it seems like they lose a game to an FCS team every year. They got Tennessee Tech, and Duke has been very bad over the past how many years, ever since Daniel Jones has been there. So. Yeah, I, I, for me, why I put Kansas State here is I just think that you have one Power 5 opponent in Missouri. Other than that, South Dakota and Tulane really don't present any problems at all. Um, I just think it's pretty weak. There's no real challenges to them. They don't go on the road. They're, they stay at home. And the teams that they're playing just really aren't that good like Missouri they're all right they're a middle of the pack SEC team at best but they're they're not nothing to scare you I agree and I got Kansas State nine myself right right there at the bottom um like you said Missouri hasn't been very good since they had Kelly Bryant two lanes is, is okay they'll win a nice game every now and then but South Dakota is just not that good for, for nine for me I put Oklahoma State I just think they play Central Michigan, Arizona State, Arkansas, Pine Bluff, all at home. Arizona State might give them problems. Central Michigan, I don't really see them giving Oklahoma State any problems at all. Obviously, we can talk about for hours for that one crazy ending to the game a few years ago. I forget what year it was, but if you if you guys know about it, you probably do. It was like a Hail Mary. Then they ran across the field, um, one at the buzzer, basically, in Stillwater, Central Michigan did. But Arkansas, Pine Bluff, cake, uh, Arizona State, not the best Pac-12 team in a very bad Pac-12 last year. Um, and then Central Michigan, I just don't think is that big of a power. Going to number eight, I have Baylor. Baylor plays Albany. Then they play future Big 12 opponent BYU on the road. And then they play Texas State. Um, eight, I got Oklahoma. I know all three of their non-conference are, you know, Division One FBS teams in Kent State, UTEP, and Nebraska. The challenge is Nebraska on the road, but, you know, over the past however long, I mean, Nebraska has not been a threat, been bottom of the barrel in the Big Ten. I know it'll be a great atmosphere, but Oklahoma's a, a big-time program. It's a, you know, it's an old rivalry, but, you know, I'm not seeing much with Mac, school, Kent State, UTEP's, you know, Conference USA, so I got them there. Yeah, speaking of the Sooners, I have them as my number seventh ranked team. I just think going on the road to play a Power 5 game holds some weight. That's why I put them all the way up here at seven rather than being lower at eight, nine, or ten. I do think UTEP and Kent State are complete cakewalks, especially for the Sooners. I I think that might actually run the Sooners into a little bit of trouble. New head coach Brent Venables, 
two easy games, um, hard to get up for games, especially when you're just going to wake up, play these guys. They're probably going to be noon kicks Eastern time or one o'clock, depending if they're flexed to ESPN plus. Um, so I just don't see them getting up for that. And then it's going to be hard to then go on the road to a Nebraska team, which gave them problems last year, gave them problems in this rivalry is obviously historic and going on the road to that place, it'll be hard for the Sooners. And I think it'll be a really big test early in the year. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it's, you know, they, they packed Memorial Stadium there in Lincoln, even though their team usually goes, you know, what, three and nine or something like that. But they have a great fan base, and it should be a, a fun game to watch considering I think Oklahoma only beat them by like a touchdown this year. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at it right now, and it was it was closer than I think a lot of us thought it would be. Oklahoma only won 23-16. I think it was that late one-handed interception that kind of sealed it, if I remember correctly. I think it was that game. Um I think it was one of those early games where Spencer Rattler was struggling and uh, we kind of saw flaws in his game and everyone started to question, oh, whoa, whoa, like, is he the guy? Is he the guy? Uh, he ended up not being the guy. Obviously, he's at South Carolina now, though. Uh, going to number six, I have Kansas. You, I know you had him at your bottom. I just think playing two power uh, – well, sorry, playing one power five school in Duke and then playing a really good group of five school in Houston, especially playing Houston on the road, has some weight. Obviously, Dana – will love to see the Jayhawks, which he did, who he did lose to uh, in his tenure at West Virginia, but he would love to see the Jayhawks at home. Who do you have as your number 16? I don't think I said my number seven. I got seven. I got Baylor. Oh, um, I, I, I missed it. My bad, Aaron. You're good. I would have Baylor at 10 with Texas State and Albany. They always schedule two just absolute cakewalks, but I think at BYU is a real challenge considering BYU has been not only good, but, but very good over the last two or three years. It's a road game, so I got them at seven. Six, I'll go Oklahoma State, um, you know, Central Michigan at home. I don't see Central Michigan pulling off another upset, but I like, um, you know, Arizona State. They've gotten a couple good recruits here and there every past year. So that should present a little bit of a challenge, but Arkansas Pine Bluff isn't going to do much for me. Yeah, talk, going back to Baylor real quick, if you look at their schedule, they have Texas Tech, Texas State, excuse me, and BYU. Last year, the Bears beat Texas State by 9-29-20 in the first game of their season. Then they had BYU at home beat them by two scores. I just think that BYU at home in the Texas heat's different than going up to Utah. I think that it's, that's, that's a hard place to go into, especially when you've never played there before. I do think it's cool though, how two future big 12 teams are playing each other, kind of getting a feel out. I know last year the conference made a pretty big deal about going to Waco for this game. I want, I, I'll be curious to see if conference representation goes to this game as well. But I do think that's an interesting schedule. Pivoting to number five, I have TCU. They play Colorado on the road to open the year. Then they have Tarleton State and then SMU on the road. Um, I'll Before I talk about that SMU game, I'll let you give me your number five. Um, five, I got Iowa State. Um, at Iowa, it's always tough for them. They never seem to get over the hump, no matter how good they are against Iowa. So, I'll, you know, I'm not chalking it down as a loss, but it's going to be a tough one. Southern Miss and Ohio to uh, FBS programs, but yeah, not that good. Yeah, um, I have Iowa State as my number four team. Um, really quick, though, for as far as Iowa goes, I just think that that rivalry is such a really good rivalry in college sports. But I don't know. I just feel like that early in the season, Kinnick's going to be rocking. Iowa had a really good team last year, and they're, they're probably going to be good again. They always seem to kind of just somehow be good. They're one of those problems in, in the Big Ten. Um, especially in that Big Ten West that really isn't that 
Yeah. Beefy. It's not it's not the Big Ten East to say the least. But I do think Iowa's a solid program. They kind of have their Iowa State's number, as you said, in recent years. But I do think going on the road to Iowa City will be hard. Obviously, it was in Ames last year. Um, but it, it's it's good to see these kind of rivalries get played. I agree. And you know, Iowa is kind of that team that just kind of is always good somehow. You'll see them sneak into the Big Ten championship about Seems like every other year. It's a good, it's a well-run program. And no matter how good to Iowa State seems to get over these past couple of years, they just it comes down to like a play. And I think one year there was a muffed punt in Ames. And it's just like Iowa always escapes with it. But it's a great, it's a great college football rivalry. So moving on, at number four, I do have Iowa State, as I believe I mentioned. Who do you have as your fourth best in this? I got Texas. Um, I got Texas because, you know, I consider putting them higher. Maybe they should be. Louisiana Monroe, I think they'll, they'll do fine with them. Although I think, who's there? Rich Rod. Rich Rod yeah, I believe is so, yeah. coordinator at Louisiana Monroe. UTSA had a good season last year. Um, you know, I don't, I don't see that team making noise in Austin, but you got, you got Alabama coming into town. Um, that should be a great game, but I, I don't see Alabama losing that. I don't care where it is. I don't care if it's at Texas or neutral site. I don't see Texas pulling them out. Hey, uh, Aaron, we were wrong. So, uh, Rich Rod did just leave uh, Louisiana Monroe. He is now the head coach at Jacksonville State uh, oh, yeah. University. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, he is no longer at U- University of Louisiana Monroe. But speaking of Texas, I have them as my number three team. Um, I think playing Alabama obviously weighed them and kept them this high on my list. Um, do I think they can keep it closed for obviously the first half? I think, yeah, I think Austin's going to be jumping. I think it'll be really cool to see how that goes. Obviously for West Virginia fans interested that, um, Alabama's going to be taking a trip up to Morgantown in, in a few years here. So kind of interested to see how they'll handle that environment. Obviously it will be a completely new team then, but anyways, it'll be cool to see Nick Saban somewhere else besides Atlanta, uh, when he plays a non-conference game. Who do you have at number three? I got TCU. Um, Tarleton State's not much, but, you know, starting the year at Colorado, that's very odd. Um, no, that's not very odd. You know, they used to be in the Big 12, but they were in the Big 12 before TCU and WVU joined. You know, just going out there to Boulder, that's going to be a pretty uh, different experience for them. Um, you know, Colorado's a pretty decent team in the Pac-12. And then at SMU, I think that's going to be a crazy matchup. And if you want to talk more about that one I think you can yeah I kind of brought it up earlier but um Sonny Dykes is the current coach of TCU relieved the former Gary Patterson who is now at Texas believe it or not and Sonny Dykes coached at SMU um these past couple of years he was at SMU from 2018 to 2021 before SMU he was at TCU in 2017 as an offensive analyst um I was kind of just thinking about it. I think that it'll be a challenge for both TCU also, but for SMU, but I think that Sonny and will probably have his guys ready to play. And I feel like when you're a new coach, those guys want to go get you that big win. And I think for him, that big win will come hopefully for them um, on the road against his former team. Yeah. It'll be an emotional game. I'm sure SMU fans and students will show up for it. That's kind of why I put um, them up there because I knew, it's not just going to like you know a conference USA team or an AAC excuse me AAC team. 
it's a it's got a little bit more of an emotional factor to it. Um, so I, I threw that game up there. I'm not really sure who wins that one. I can see Texas or Texas Christian winning it, but you know SMU's had a good program over the past couple of years. So you know maybe their assistants get the job done like Dags did. Yeah, you speak you speak of the last couple of years. SMU beat TCU. They beat them 42-34 last year on the road in Fort Worth, and they did it again in Fort Worth in 2019, 41 to 38. Before that, though. TCU went one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight straight years winning from 2012, 2018. Sorry, seven. I can't do math. I'm blind. Um, so, yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see. This is the first time since 2018 it's going to be at SMU. I think that holds some significance. But obviously that whole Dallas-Fort Worth area, it's kind of a rivalry between these two teams. Um, so, obviously, it'll be fun. And they're they're not too far away from each other. Um, this will same be their one hundred. Sorry, go ahead. It's the same area. It's right there. In fact, yeah. I, I I'll predict that SMU wears those alternate Dallas jerseys, and it's, yeah. it's it's like the same area. You know, Fort Worth Airport's right there, so TCU's just you know a few miles down the road. I I, I just think those those are the kind of games you got to have, and we'll get to those in a bit with West Virginia. But going to number two on our list, I believe we are. I do have the Mountaineers. I think. West Virginia has a really strong non-conference schedule. Obviously, Towson's a big cupcake. Um, but you're on the road against two Power 5 opponents in, in two rivalry games, and I think that's something – there's something to be said about doing that, and that's why I have West Virginia here. Who do you have as your number two spot? Um, I have a Texas Tech. Um, Murray State's not anything special. Obviously, their cupcake of the season. You know, I really like Houston. You know, Dana Holgerson's team – I think they won 10 games last year. They played at Texas Tech, I believe, maybe as a neutral site. And they were up like two touchdowns early. Texas Tech came back and beat them. So I think that's going to be an emotional game. Dana used to coach there as an offensive coordinator. It'll be a good game in the at NC State. I think that's going to be a real test going down to Raleigh, considering the Wolfpack had a really good season last year, knocked off Clemson and Raleigh. And, um, you know, I think they'll have some experience. Yeah, I have Texas Tech as my number one ranked schedule. I just think Houston is going to be a different challenge than last year when they won 38-21. And I think NC State on the road is going to be a really big test. I think NC State's got the chance to be one of the better teams, if not the best team in the ACC, depending on Clemson, obviously. I don't think Pitt will do what they did last year. And I just don't really see, unless Miami or Florida State take a step forward, obviously Mario Cristobal former Oregon head coach now at Miami, could mean a lot. Um, Jamila Dye, as many Mountaineer fans know, is also at Miami. But uh, I do think NC State, that's a hard game to win going across the country. Probably will, might be, if it's a 12 o'clock kick, that'll be really hard for the Red Raiders. Who knows? Um, but Houston, I, Houston and NC State, those are two games that I'm not sure if Texas Tech wins. That's why I have those my number one spot. Obviously, you have the Mountaineers as your number one spot. Uh, go ahead. Give me what you got about that. Yeah, I just – I don't think you can speak enough to the significance of those two rivalry games at, at Virginia Tech. Obviously, Townsend's a cupcake. You're going to get one of those. But you're not Baylor scheduling two, three cupcakes a year. So, um, you know, at Pitt, it's, it's a rivalry that hasn't been played since 2011. You know, the defending ACC champs. I know they got a new look to them, but it's it's at Heinz Field. Tickets are already kind of hard to get, kind of expensive. And then at, at Lane Stadium, I mean, that's – that's one of the crazier environments in college football, uh, inner Sandman and all that. They'll be upset after um, you know, having a chance to beat the Mountaineers in Morgantown this past year. So I, I don't think you can speak enough to those two, those two ACC matchups. Um, and 
it'll be obviously vital for Neil Brown to pick up at least one of those and you know, probably two of those too. Yeah, t- talking about Pitt first, I just think that Pitt will be the more the harder game to win, not only because it's week one, but I just think Pitt's the better better than Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech kind of blew things up, new head coach in there, um, quarterbacks gone. Like they have a lot of new and a lot of transition there at uh, Virginia Tech. But for Pitt, like they've got they've got some experience uh, on that team. They've got a team that went and won the ACC last year. They have a quarterback from USC and Slovis that. Has, mm-hmm. has been in some big-time games. And I, I was looking at the kind of first week of schedule in the last few few days, and this is kind of the marquee game that Thursday night. I think there's an, I think it's Purdue-Penn State plays in, uh, in West Lafayette on that Thursday as well. But other than that, there's not really a big-time game. I expect this to be on national television, 8 o'clock. Um, and I think that, that that environment and that atmosphere is going to be crazier than Virginia Tech's will because – Although it is an away game for West Virginia, we all know it's an hour and a half drive from Morgantown. Many fans of West Virginia live in the Pittsburgh area, live in easy driving distance of Heinz Field. And I just think that will be a really great environment and place to be at compared to that Thursday night game to, I think, three weeks later against Virginia Tech. Um, obviously, night games in Blacksburg, okay, that's cool, but... Uh, if West Virginia kind of gets going early, that place can get quiet and it can get pretty easy to play in. So if they keep West Virginia, if they keep Virginia Tech in it, JT Daniel struggles or a couple, a couple mistakes by the defense, and I could see yeah. it being a challenge. But I don't see, I see Pitt being the harder win to get for West Virginia than Virginia Tech. I agree, but I think if there's early trouble for the Mountaineers in Lane Stadium, I think that's automatically the harder one because I tend to think that Heinz Field will be split down the middle as far as fans go. Um, Lane Stadium, I know there'll be a good bit of Mountaineer fans there. A lot of Southern uh, West Virginia fans will have an easier drive, but that place will be rocking. Um, I think another storyline to think of, I'm not going to pretend like I know the Hokies quarterback situation right now, but Grant Wells from Marshall University transferred up there. If he wins that starting job, he might have a chip on his shoulder. He's from GW High School here in Charleston. Didn't get looked at by the Mountaineers very heavily, I don't think. Succeeded at Marshall and then kind of slipped up a little bit and then transferred to VT, so... If he wins that starting job, I think um, that could be a, a potential storyline. Yeah, that's definitely a storyline to think about. But, I mean, if you want to talk about quarterbacks, you have two former teammates of an offensive coordinator going uh, right. at each other um, in Pittsburgh yeah, just, on the first. I just don't want to underrate that, that Virginia Tech game and uh, make it seem like it'll be the same thing as this past year because I know that will be a tougher game than maybe people think. But, obviously, Pitt's, Pitt's the marquee matchup. And, you know, I agree it's a bigger storyline with a uh, Daniels and, and Graham Harrell factor, but yeah. But what I will say though, I think it's better that this game is on a Thursday night for West Virginia than if it was a Saturday noon kickoff. As far as getting up for a game, I think it's easy to get up for a night game, no matter when you play it. And I think having one last year, having that feeling of getting the trophy, the black diamond trophy of holding it in front of your fans and, kind of sending a good amount of Virginia Tech fans that went, came up, took the trip to Morgantown home unhappy. And so I think that there will be a contingent of Mountaineers there. There will probably be a good amount of fans, but I just think that it's easier for Mountaineer fans, one, to get to Heinz Field, also two, to get into Heinz Field than it is to get into Lane Stadium down there in Blackbird. 
Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's you're you're looking at the whole Morgantown area and the whole northern and middle part of the states, and it's an easier trip um, to get up to Pittsburgh, especially if you're in that Clarksburg, Bridgeport, Morgantown, especially area. But you know, the southern the southern part of the state, some some people in the southern part of the state uh, value the Virginia Tech rivalry a little bit more. That's what I've heard. But you know, the majority of the state favors that pit rivalry. So I'm just I'm excited for both games. But um, you know, you got to get one of them. I think. I think if there's one you got to get, you got to go in there and get get it against Pitt, especially with Addison transferring the Blitnikoff winner. Um, I think it's just a huge window for WV to go out there and maybe you know change the script a little bit in the Neil Brown era because you know he hasn't won a, a ton of the big games, but you know beat Virginia Tech last year. I think this is a great avenue for him. Yeah, that Addison transfer. Obviously, we'll get into it a lot over the next 107 days, I believe it is, um, but. That's an interesting storyline, especially with the secondary with West Virginia that has a few question marks, is pretty young. Um, that could be coming into factor, coming to play later on. Kind of pivoting now, I, I just want to talk about um, betting odds for the Big 12. According to points bet, um, West Virginia has the seventh best odds. Um, just real quick, Aaron, before we kind of get into all of the numbers there, uh, too high, too low. What do you think of West Virginia being seventh best to win a Big Twelve title? Mm, I'd like to see him. I don't know. It's it seems a little irrelevant, but I'd like to see him at that like five or six spot. It's only I know it's only a couple of spots, and maybe the, the higher ups don't really care that much. But seven, I'm not sure. Graham Harrell offense with JT Daniels coming in and experienced D line. Um, I, I think they should be a little bit higher than seven, but it's gonna be it's gonna be tough to win the Big Twelve title for sure. Yeah, here, I'll just go through the rankings real quick. You got Oklahoma, Texas, Oklahoma State, Baylor at four, Iowa State at five, TCU at six, West Virginia at seven. Then you have Texas Tech at eight, and then Kansas State and Kansas to round out your 10 there. Um, They got Oklahoma at one? Yep, Oklahoma one, Texas at two. I'm not sure if I like that. With uh, I think Baylor won the Big 12 championship last year. I felt like Oklahoma State was the better team. So that's two teams last year that were better than them. Venables, they got a new coach. Uh, no Lincoln Riley, no Caleb Williams, no Spencer Rattler. I, I don't like Oklahoma no more. Yeah, I am not as high on Oklahoma as I think some people are. I think people are kind of using the name Oklahoma to justify what they should do this year. But Lincoln Riley and Brent Venables are about complete opposites as head coaches in style. Venables was the D.C. at Clemson, led them to all their success there. And as we know, Lincoln Riley is the let's throw the ball for 500 yards and score mm-hmm. 70 points and see if they can keep up with us. So I think that'll be certainly different. I think in the big 12, there's going to be times that you have to score points. And I think that's, as we talked about earlier with Oklahoma soft on conference schedule until Nebraska, like if they can't figure things out by week three against Nebraska, they could kind of s- start off slow. And if you lose two, three games, in the big 12, you're, you might as well kiss your title chances goodbye. Yeah, I agree. Let us not forget Brent Venables before the, he was the D.C. at Clemson. He was the D.C. at Oklahoma. He was the D.C. at Oklahoma when WVU thumped Oklahoma in the Fiesta Bowl. I know that's a completely different team, but, you know, I, I don't know. I just, I'm not sold on Oklahoma. It's a completely different style. How, how many people transferred out of that system in the past six months? I, I, I'll go Oklahoma State over them. I'll go Baylor over them. Uh, just off the top of my head, I don't want to pick Texas over him, but you know I know that Quinn Ewers is supposed to be a good a good stud quarterback. Um, but off the top of my head, Baylor and Oklahoma State over Oklahoma. 
I have, a, I have a hypothetical question kind of about West Virginia here, Aaron. Would you rather see the Mountaineers beat Virginia Tech and Pitt, so go 2-0 in those rivalry games, and then lose and then lose a majority of their games in the Big 12 and not make the Big 12 championship? Or would you rather see the Mountaineers make an appearance in the Big 12 championship and go 0-2 against their rivals? Um, so my immediate thought – is, is I want to go 2-0 and against the rivals. You know, Mountaineer fans hate Pitt. Mountaineer fans hate Virginia Tech, and I'm one of those. Um, but I'm going to go Big 12 um, title appearance because you got more chances to play Pitt. Um, I, I'm not sure about Virginia Tech. You got more chances at rivals, old rivals coming up with Penn State, um, and you're going to get Pitt. Pitt got extended till what, the 2030s? WVU has not made a, a Big 12 title appearance yet. They had it. Perfectly lined up in 2018 with Greer. All you had to do was win one out of the two last two games. You're up 17 and a half at Oklahoma State, and they lost. And then they lost it against Oklahoma, and they've never made it. So if Neil Brown were to do that this year, that would be huge. And um, I think that would make up for – partly make up for going out into in, in the rivals. Yeah. I – I if the West Virginia were to make the Big 12 championship, I couldn't care less about Pitt and Virginia Tech, just because, as we said, you're going to have the opportunity to play Pitt again. Uh, Virginia Tech, I don't think, is on the schedule for a little while, if oh, at all, in the near future. So, obviously, that would suck for that. But you beat them last year. And if you can go and make a Big 12 tur- tournament, Big 12 championship, I think that's more of a statement than beating – two ACC teams is and you would have to go on the road you have to play Texas on the road have to you get Baylor at home you get Oklahoma at home but you got to go on the road to Oklahoma State so th- those were trips to Austin and Stillwater if you split those into the Mountaineers then you're somehow still treading water till in November and you get Oklahoma at home and you get a couple breaks here and there and you make the Big 12 championship I think that should hold more weight than going 2-0 against your rivals. Yeah, I like the hypothetical question you presented, but unfortunately, um, if if WV were to go to Pitt and lose and then go to Virginia Tech and lose too, I'm not sure if there's uh, job security midseason at that point. So, you know, at that point, I don't know. Yeah, but at that point, who would you bring? Like, if you were to fire Neil Brown on September 25th or September 23rd, excuse me, which is that Friday after Virginia Tech, say he's – Two and two at that point beats Kansas, beats Towson, loses to loses to Pitt, loses to Virginia Tech. All right, like where are you going to go to? Like because everyone on this staff is already a Neil Brown guy. Neil Brown has some solid recruiting numbers, not only for the twenty two class but for the twenty three class already. Like I just don't know where you're going to go. That's going to be a better option right now than Neil Brown and firing him four games into the season. If you're two and two, yes, you lost two rivalry games, but what if you lose Pitt on a bad call or what if you lose Virginia tech because JT Daniels gets hurt? Like there's so many variables in that. I just think it's hard to let a coach go because of two losses when he seems to be building something greater than what those two losses would mean. I agree with your point. Um, I've, I've always backed Neil Brown and he's got a good, a good thing rolling right now as far as recruiting and getting guys on the side. Um, I just wanted to throw out the point that like it, you might not want to rule that out. Um, just because fans get impatient and, I'm, you know, AD's get impatient sometimes. But I think you're right. I think I think Neil's got a good thing going. Um, but, you know, just throwing it out there, I'm not really sure who – I don't think there's a better option to go to if, you know, you're midseason and you got a, guy, a lot of guys locked in for the future. So, I don't think – Yeah, so I just 
don't see unless you get blown out in both of those games. Yeah. I just don't see those two losses being enough to completely lose a guy in the middle of the season. Like, say he loses, so. yeah, like because he just restructured that contract, got an extension, so those numbers have gone up. Like, it's there's not an easy way, I don't think, to let him go, especially four games into a season, and then you. After Virginia Tech, you go on the road to Austin. You play Tech. Like, you're going to have a new coach head to Austin to play Sark in that offense with Quinn Ewers from Ohio State. Like, I just don't see how it's, like, viable to do it when if you're 2-2 two and two heading into the rest of your conference games. I agree. Probably not a great hypothetical to throw out there because I don't think the Mountaineers are going to go 0-2. I don't see it happening. I, I like this team um, from what I've seen of it so far and these guys that he's brought in recruits and transfers and you know new assistant coaches I like this team um I think they're gonna be exciting I just I don't see them going out two in those two rivalry games yeah I think I think they go one and one at worst and I really do see the possibility of if they beat Pitt and then they're three and oh going into Blacksburg and they have that confidence they get to go play another rivalry game at night like they could be feeling themselves early in the year and then they're four and oh heading into the month of October look out like that could be a sign of good things to come Obviously, we are a ways away from that. They could lose to Pitt. They could – hell, they could lose to Kansas at home. I don't know. Like, like there's just so many different things that can happen, and that's the best part about this sport. Um, that's kind of all I got for today. Yeah, yeah. College football is very unpredictable, and, you know, it's it's a very fun sport and very fun to watch. And I just – I think this team's more exciting going into it. I, last year I didn't have – last two years I didn't – really have that much excitement going into it maybe because I knew that there's kind of an end game with your with your quarterback situation but now now it's kind of you know all right now you got a former five star and you got uh, an air raid guy calling plays and I just think this year is going to be more exciting for Mountaineer fans no matter if there's you know some big 12 losses or maybe a rivalry loss I think it's going to be exciting uh, regardless yeah because like wouldn't you rather play Pitt and Virginia Tech compared to like the compared to what was it like Eastern Kentucky? Like, I don't know, like two years ago, obviously the pandemic year, then last year, there was still a little bit of a pandemic ness in our lives. I feel like obviously it felt good to get back to normal at Maryland, but I think most fans would take a trip to Pitt, a trip to Blacksburg over playing Maryland and all these other schools. Obviously, Maryland's still a rivalry, but it's just not yeah. the yeah. same. And I think it's good that Neil Brown, one second, Aaron, like, I think it's good that he, like, last year he played Virginia Tech and Maryland. This year he's playing Virginia Tech and Pitt. Like, it's good to see him get these games on the schedule. Yeah, our program's done a good job of scheduling these old rivals and you know, rivals that could, rivalries that could be beneficial to both parties. But yeah, I think you're right about the Maryland factor. It was good to get back, but, um, you know, I don't, I don't think that holds anywhere near as much significance as going to play at Heinz Field or going to play at Lane Stadium in Blacksburg at, at night. You know, I just don't think it's the same considering, you know, I've heard some some not so good things about Bird Stadium. I don't think the atmosphere is quite as good. Um, so I think this year playing Virginia Tech and Pitt is better than, you know, what you had last year and definitely what you had the last two or three years. Yeah, I will say as far as looking at just going to the Maryland game last year, like I was on, I was seated for most of the game about three rows behind the Maryland bench. And on that Maryland side, like, it was a good crowd, especially, like, the students from Maryland stayed. You don't really see that too often. Um, like, everyone stayed, and it was a good atmosphere, a good environment, and it felt like it was a good, like, re-entry to college football. It felt like um, re-entry to sports, re-entry to life, 
also. I feel like we were robbed of that experience, obviously, because of the pandemic and rightfully so. But it was good to have that back. And I think even more so September 1st, like that place is going to be from 11 a.m. on. Like that place is going to be a full on madhouse. And I think it'll be fun for the Mountaineers. I think it'll be fun for Pitt too. Like they will get their fans there. Mountaineers will get their fans there. And they're, they're going to go get throw the ball around for three hours, three and a half hours before anyone else really in college football does. And I think it'll be a good showcase to open the college football season. Yeah, I agree. I think it's safe to say it's going to be uh, difficult to get in and out of the city of Pittsburgh with that one entrance through the tunnel with everybody from from Pitt's fan base and, and West Virginia fan base packing in uh, to Heinz Field. So I, I don't I think that might be, um, you know, a little bit of a headache, but it'll make for an intense game. So that's all I believe we both have today. If you made it this far, we do appreciate you listening. Once again, my name is Wesley Shoemaker, joined by Aaron Parker, and this is the BlueGoldSports.com podcast.